Thank you, God, for this chance we get to worship you today and just uh, to let you know what a good God you are. And now, Lord, we want to learn from you so we can be the people you want us to be. I pray you fill us with your, your truth, your word, and your spirit today. And we just thank you so much for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is, uh, is one of the high days of American culture worship. It's called the Super Bowl. And uh, people today are going to be worshiping at the altar of, uh, of entertainment. And boy, are they going to be excited, right? I mean, they're going to hoop and holler. They're going to yell. They're going to scream. They're going to laugh. Some of them are going to cry, I guess. But, uh, you know, um, when people, when something good happens in your life, when your team wins the Super Bowl, man, that's exciting, isn't it? Now, I'm curious about you. What do you do when you're excited? Um, I'm going to talk today about a life bursting with joy, and I want to know, how do you respond when a really happy, joyous thing happens in your life? For instance, here's a question. You can look at the screen with me. Uh, The question is this. What would you do, for instance, if you were given a lottery ticket that won $100? Now, by the way, if you're morally against the lottery, let me say, what if you had an a long-lost relative that died, and you inherited $100. We'll just skip the moral issue here on that, right? So either one, what if you just got $100 you didn't expect? Would you, what would you do? Would you, would you scream? Would you smile? Would you say, that's nice? I mean, what would you do? Anybody? What would you do? Would you say, yay? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so you'll have fun, right? Good. All right. Now, let's, let's raise the ante here. What if you won $1,000 or inherited $1,000? What would you do? We got one yoo-hoo, a yee-haw over here. Now the personalities are coming out, aren't they? What if you won or, or you inherited $100,000? How about a million dollars? Can you imagine with a million dollars what you could do for world missions? Or for the homeless or the needy? I mean, what if you inherited a million dollars you didn't expect? What would you do? Would you, would you be happy? Okay, well, uh, you can think about it. Anyway, I would, what I would do, I do what my, what <laughs> my kids don't like it, but I do what I call the Rocky. You know, I go, well, yeah, I jump around, you know, and I just, I just, I just, I love, I love celebrating good things. And, uh, you know, there's so many good things to celebrate as a Christian. It's just amazing how good God has been to us. And today, we're just going to focus on that a bit because so many things in life can sort of disappoint us, can bring us down. And some of you may be struggling right now with an illness or you may be, have some sorrow in your life or something. So I just want to remind you today why in spite of those things, I mean, life can't be perfect, but nonetheless, God has given us a life that can be bursting with joy. Would you like your life to have more joy in it? Well, if so, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to look at a parable of Jesus that is just, oh, it's just fabulous. It's one of my favorites in the whole Bible. Now, if you're taking notes, the first thing you can write down, based on verse 1, is that our God is a seeking, searching master. He's a seeking, searching master. Let's look at at chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. At about the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. 
And he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, did the same thing. And then on and on. We'll come back to the text in a few minutes, but that, that's enough to get us started. So here we see that we have a seeking, searching master. It says that our God is like a landowner who goes out in his vineyard. Well, right there we learn a whole lot about God. This is one of Jesus' favorite comparisons. He always compares God to a landowner or a farmer or a king. You know, he's, in other words, God is in charge. God is the one who is in control, and the landowner is in complete control in this whole passage. I just want to remind you this morning that God's in charge. God's in control. It may not look like that, you know, when you watch the news on, on, in the evening, right? But God is in charge. He's in control. Plus, he's a God that he, he never gives up. He keeps going. He keeps going. He keeps going. He's like the original ever-ready bunny, you know, the energizer. I mean, God is, he never gives up. And I want you to know, he never gives up on you or me. God never gives up on you. Now, I know that sometimes I give up on myself, and sometimes I've given up on other people, but God never does. He never gives up on you. Matter of fact, there's probably somebody sitting next to you or around you or somewhere in this room that feels like God has given up on them. You've prayed and you haven't got what you asked for. You don't understand why. And so you're thinking, well, maybe God's given up on me. So just so we get everybody, turn to the person next to you and just say, God will never give up on you. Go ahead, turn to the person next to you, anybody. God will never give up on you. God will never give up on you. There. There, we cover everybody? Good, all right. So God is never going to give up on us. Now it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers. Now usually in this ancient society there were no unions, there were no uh, job contracts or security. In this day and age, Oftentimes, people would get up in the morning, they'd go to the city square or the marketplace, and some owner or foreman would come along and would hire some workers for the day. Um, these workers, if they didn't get a job, their family would probably go hungry that night. It was a hand-to-mouth existence. Uh, no savings accounts, no, no banks or, or retirement funds. I mean, these guys had to get a job. If they didn't get a job their family would be hungry. Now, for many years, I thought this was sort of a, an interesting ancient Bible story. And then one morning at Home Depot, I drove up and I saw this group of guys just standing around in the parking lot. And I thought, who are they? And then it hit me, Matthew 20. These men are people who are going out early in the morning and they're trying to find a job. And they're hoping to get a job so they or their family can eat that night. Now, that happens in Sacramento. It happens where I live up in Auburn. Does it happen here in, the, in Sonoma County even? It does. You've seen it. So this is a very, very current parable where the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who out, went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, it then goes on in verse 2 to say, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now, what is a denarius? A denarius, according to the historian Josephus, was the average day's wage. I mean, it was the, it was the fair amount that you're supposed to pay someone. 
So this is saying that God is fair. God is fair. He, he's just, and he, he, he pays what, what is appropriate. Um, now, I don't know what, what an average day's wage is here in this area, but just, just think, as we go through this parable, you know, during your working life or if you're employed right now, just think what your average day's wage is, and then just sort of use that as a reference. But here, a denarius was the average day's wage. And uh, then the, then the uh, passage goes on. Now, let's look again at, um, oh, let's just start reading in verse 3 again. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay whatsoever right. So they went. And he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. Now, let me just stop there. Do your versions right there in verse 3, do they say anything different besides, what was it, um, the third hour? In verse 3, do your versions say anything else? Okay, some versions say about 9 o'clock. Yours says that? Okay. So this is how it works. In, in this day and age, there were no clocks, so the day started, the first hour started when the sun came up. And then they sort of counted from there. So the third hour would be three hours after sunup, which some Bible translators obviously just guessed would be about 6 o'clock, and so that'd be 9 o'clock. Does that make sense? So at 9 o'clock, he went out. He went out at noon. He went out at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. So that'll sort of track us as we go through. Now, we see here the different experiences in his kingdom. That's point two on your outline. We see that people in God's kingdom have different experiences. The first one goes early in the morning, which basically means at sunrise. Now, let's just imagine again that you were this guy. You got up early in the morning, you went out, and the master comes and looks everybody over, and the master says, uh, let me see, who am I going to hire today? I'm going to hire you, and I'm going to hire you, and I'm going to hire you. I mean, it's like being picked for the first string, you know, basketball team. Isn't it, wouldn't you be happy? Wouldn't you be overjoyed if you went out early in the morning and, and he picked you? You're thinking, man, this is great. I'm going to get to work 12 hours today. I'm going to make a full day's wage. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to be able to have a good meal with my family, maybe even some money left over for clothes or something. I mean, this guy was happy. Now let's see about the next guy. It says there in verse 3, he went out about the third hour. So again, let's do some math. If he went on the third hour, that's about 9 a.m., he works till sundown, which is about 6 p.m. So 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. is how many hours? I put it up here just to help you. Nine hours, that's right, okay. And, uh, and the person works nine hours, and he's thinking, this is great. I get to work nine hours, and I get to come home, and I'm going to have food and, and meat tonight, and, and we're going to have a great evening tonight. So is this guy, when he gets hired, is he happy or is he sad? He's happy. How about the next guy? What's it say next? It says, he went out again, the master, at the sixth hour. The sixth hour, okay, now you can figure it out, is about what time in the day? Noon. And how long is he going to work? Six hours. You are, you're much smarter than Saturday night service, by the way. I just want you to know. Don't tell him I said that, but no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Anyway, so this guy's going to work six hours. He's probably thinking, well, this is good. I'm not going to make a full day's wage, but hey, I'm going to make something. We're going to go home. We're going to have a good meal tonight. So is this guy happy or sad? He's happy. Okay, next one, the guy goes out, the master at the ninth hour. Real quick, what time of the day is that? 
Three o'clock. How long is he going to work? Three hours. Is he happy or sad? He's happy. He's thinking, man, I almost gave up. I was going to go home, and I was going to have to face the missus, and I don't want to face the missus, you know, when I, when I didn't get a job. And, and here he came back, and he hired me, and we probably won't be able to afford meat tonight, but you know what? We're going to eat. This guy's happy. And now there's one other guy. Look down now at the next verse. Um, Let's see, what is it? Verse 6. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Verse 7, because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Now this guy, well, I, I really like this guy. I mean, I probably would have given up before the 11th hour. Let's, I mean, seriously, you're waiting all day long. 11 hours, how many of you think you would have given up and you would have probably gone home or you had gone to the local Starbucks or whatever you would go to in that day and age? Just let's be honest, how many of you would have probably given up, you wouldn't have stayed around the 11th hour? Okay, a lot of you. How many of you would have stayed there? Raise your hands. A couple of you. Is it because you thought he'd come back and hire you or because you didn't want to go home and face... Okay. So here's, I like this guy, though. He stays until 11 o'clock. He doesn't give up. And lo and behold, the master comes and hires him. And he thinks, well, this is good. I'm not going to go home empty-handed. We probably won't be able to afford any meat, maybe just a little bit of bread for the kids, but at least my kids won't go to bed hungry. So was this guy happy or sad, the 11-hour 11, 11 man? Yeah, he's happy. Hey, folks, I want you to know something. At this point in the parable, everybody's happy. But things change quickly. Look at the next verse. The next verse says, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Now we see, and this is point three, I think, on your outline. Oh, before we do, I want to ask you a question. Before we go on to see the different responses of God's kingdom, I just want to pause and say, generally in life, as you've heard this parable maybe before, which person do you relate with most? Do you relate with the, do you, have you seen yourself as a 12-hour worker, the 9-hour worker, the 6, the 3, or the 1? Um, in other words, uh, some people have said, well, I feel like a 12-hour worker because I've been a Christian since I was a child. I've served God my whole life. And other people say, well, you know, no, I've, uh, I'm a 6-hour I'm a worker because, you know, I wasn't a Christian for a long time, but I've been a Christian for a while, so, you know, about half and half. Anyway, just have in your mind which person do you sort of relate with, okay? And we'll come back to that in a minute. And now, verses 8 on, we see that there are different experiences in God's kingdom, different responses to God's grace. He called uh, the workers, beginning with the last ones, going on to the first and the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each of them received what? A denarius, a full day's wage. Folks, 
they expected one hour of pay and they got pay for 12 hours. In other words, they got 12 times what they expected. Now imagine that you got your paycheck from work and it was 12 times your hourly or your, or your salary rate. I mean, if, you're, if you get $10 an hour, your boss decides to up your salary to $120 an hour. Would you be happy or sad? Happy. I mean, and just go on from there. If you make $50 an hour or $100 an hour, you get 12 times that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd be doing the Rocky. Woohoo! this is great. This is great. Look at this check. Look at this check. Look at this check. Can you believe it? I have the most generous boss in the world. I mean, who does this? Who does? Have you ever heard of any employer paying his employee 12 times what they agreed? Never. Of course not. And by the way, this is a shock even to Jesus here. Do you know that in the, in, the, um, in the time of Jesus, there were some rabbis that also told stories? And one rabbi told the story of this worker who worked in a vineyard and the, and the master. And at the end of the day, the master brought them together and he only paid them what they had earned during the day. Those that worked harder got more, and those that had slacked off got less. Well, that's the way of the world, isn't it? You get what you get. You get what you earn and deserve and nothing more. That's the way of the world, but that's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of God. God does not repay us based on what we earn. And I think this guy, now, the, before this time, everybody was happy, right? They all were happy because they got a job. But was this guy happy or was he mega happy? He was bursting with joy. I mean, he was going, woohoo, I can't believe it. I got 12 times. I'm going to go home tonight, and my wife, she's going to say to me, you're the man. <laughs> Look what you did. You must have, she's going to think I'm great. She, she may even say, Oh, man, you're my stud muffin. I love it when she calls me her stud muffin. I mean, this is great. I'm going to have a fantastic night. My kids are going to be happy. I mean, this is, this is probably one of the best days of his life. He is so happy here. But other people aren't quite as happy, are they? Look again at uh, verse 10. So when those who came who were hired first... They expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. So we had the grateful response. Here we have the disappointed response. They're disappointed at the master. They're disappointed at the master's generosity. Why? Well, because they started comparing themselves to others, and they set up false expectations. Do you ever do that? You ever compare yourself to others? Oh, I wish I had his car. I wish I had her figure. I wish I were married like she is. I wish I were single like he is. I wish I still had hair like he does. That's what I think sometimes. We all do that, don't we? We compare ourselves to others. But friends, false expectations and comparisons lead to disappointment. If you are leaking joy, maybe it's because you have false expectations and comparisons going on. 
Maybe you're judging your life not based on how good God has been to you, but based on how you compare it to what you see God done for others. And folks, that's just a, that is a joy killer. It will kill your joy. It will kill it if you give in to false expectations and comparisons. Now, everybody has, I mean, people, it's, it's quite common to have false expectations. I heard about this one story of a guy who, who visited a church, and the pastor came up to him and said, hey, welcome to our church. And the man said, yeah, well, I've been checking out area churches because I'm looking for a special kind of church. And the pastor said, well, what is that? And the man said, well, I'm looking for a church where the people are, are nice but not too friendly. The, the music is, is soft but not too soft. And the pastor preaches exciting, humorous, intelligent messages in 15 minutes or less. <laughs> and uh, the pastor said, well, that's us. Plus, at this church, we don't ask you to give any money. We give you money for coming to church. <laughs> the man said, you're kidding. And the pastor said, well, yeah, I am, but you started it. This man had such false expectations of a church, there's no way he wasn't going to be disappointed, right? And he set himself up for disappointment. And here we have some disappointed people. It says, those who were hired first expected to receive more, but each of them received a denarius. And then look what it says in verse 11. It says, they began to grumble against the landowner. That's point four on your outline. They began to grumble against the, outla- uh, the landowner. Circle that word grumble. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's in the old, no, favorite words in the Bible. Um, the word grumble in English, in Hebrew, and in Greek is an onomatopoetic word. Now, that's a fancy literary term that says that a word means what it sounds. It gets the name of the word from the sound of the action. For instance, uh, the buzz of a bee. I mean, nobody said, I think I'll call that a buzz, right? They heard the sound, and the sound created the word. My favorite onomatopoetic word is the word spit. <laughs> because, you know, spit, it has everything there. I mean, it's from start to finish, it's, it's, it's the action. And here, the same thing is happening. The word grumble in, in Hebrew is hagah. In Greek, it's egogudzo. And in English, it's grumble. They all, I mean, in Hebrew, it's hagah, 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 hagah. It's, it's, it's what it sounds like when you hear from a distance somebody grumbling, right? And the same is true in English. I mean, you, you can't quite hear the words, but what do you hear over the side? Grumble, 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 grumble. So these people were grumbling against the landowner. So common and, again, so relevant to us today. And what are they probably saying? Well, they're probably saying, hey, you're not being fair. I mean, you gave that person more than they deserved. Why why don't you do the same for me? You're not being fair. I want my rights. Have you heard that in our culture recently? I want my rights. Well, let me tell you something, friend. Remember who the landowner represents? We already studied this. Who's the landowner? God. Be careful when you demand your rights of God. As has already been read this morning, the Bible says there's no one righteous, not even one. 
all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. I mean, really, what do we deserve from a holy and righteous God? Punishment. Not grace, not forgiveness, not heaven. Friends, uh, be careful when you demand your rights from God because it's a joy killer. And again, uh, we, we have no right to demand anything from God. But this, this master and God are so gracious to we humans who tend to grumble when we don't deserve to do it. Look at verse 13. But he answered one of them, am I not being, am, am I not being unfair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who has hired the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, why did Jesus tell this parable anyway? Well, it has to do with the context, what happened previously. If you look in the previous chapter, Matthew 19, he starts it off with... uh, It started off with the story of the rich young ruler, and Jesus said to that young man, hey, sell everything, come follow me. And the man said, I can't. Uh, And Jesus said, you know, great in heaven will be those that that leave it all to follow me. And then the disciples say, I I think with their their thumbs underneath their lapels, sort of in pride, they say, well, what about us? Jesus, we left everything to follow you. Are we going to get something really great because of that? Do we deserve Something really wonderful. And so Jesus just sort of tells him how it is. No, you don't deserve anything. But God is more gracious than you can ever imagine. Isn't this an amazing parable? To respond to all that in a story? Um, So that's why Jesus said this. Hey, we've learned something great, haven't we? We deserve something. You know what? This reminds me a lot of myself. Because way too often I say to God, come on, God, don't I deserve a little bit? Because I've served you, because I've done this or I've done that. God, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed. Don't I deserve an answer? Have you ever said that to God? We're a lot like this. And and it's funny because all of a sudden, everything has changed. Let's go back to the story again. Remember how a few few minutes before pay time, everybody was happy? And now we have the uh, one-hour worker that's happy. What about the the 12-hour worker? Is the 12-hour worker happy? No, they're grumbling. How about the nine-hour worker? Are they happy? No. The the six-hour worker? No. The three-hour worker? Suddenly... Almost everybody else is unhappy with God or the master, so to speak. Everybody's joy suddenly has leaked out and disappeared. And that reminds me a lot of some people I've met in church. To be real honest with you, I've met a lot of people over the years who grumbled against God. They grumbled about church. They grumbled about me. I think they have advanced degrees in grumbling. (laughs) 
And some of them, some of them are pastors. Some of them are elders. Some of them are worship leaders. And I'm not saying anything about you folks because I don't know you folks, so it's, you're all safe. I'm, <laughs> this is all hypothetical, you know. But I've met them, and I've, I've been them. I've done it. I've, been, I've grumbled, so I know. But sometimes in church, the people, that's, the, the people that have known God the longest sometimes grumble the most. Isn't that odd? Well, not after you read the parable. It sort of makes sense, doesn't it? So I want to ask you again, what did you say earlier? Did you identify with a 12-hour worker? Did you identify with a 9-hour worker? The 6, the 3, or the 1? I mean, I've known some Christians that have said, hey, this isn't fair. I've served God all my life. And my neighbor who's a pagan is blessed far more than me. Or, hey, this is unfair. I'm a Christian. I go to church, and I get laid off, and she doesn't? How is that fair? Or I've heard, God, I've served you my whole life. And then that scumbag on TV comes to Christ on his deathbed, and he's going to get heaven too? That just doesn't seem fair. Well, whenever I get to feeling like that, I like to go back to Matthew 20. Because this parable, this parable not only solves the grumbles, and it'll cure you of the grumbles, but this parable will also help you to, to find a life that's bursting with joy. And here's the answer. Here's the main point. If you see yourself as a 12, 9, 6, or 3-hour worker, you're going you're gonna to grumble. But really, folks, if you see yourself as a 1-hour worker, if you realize that, that you don't deserve any bit of what God has given you, that the blessings He's given you, and especially the gift of heaven, is far more than anything you've ever deserved. It's, it's more than 12 times what you deserve. It's, it's 12,000, 12 million, 12 zillion times what you deserve, right? Folks, the truth is, there's only ever been one 12-hour human being on planet Earth. His name is Jesus Christ. The rest of us, the rest of us, the rest of us are one-hour workers. You are a one-hour worker theologically. There's no other category you fit in. We've been so blessed by God that, that He's given us so much more than we deserve. So say out loud with me, I am a one-hour worker. Okay, say it like your team was winning the Super Bowl, okay? And uh, you're really happy about it. So one more time, say, I am a one-hour worker. And I, I am so blessed, more than I deserve. One more time. I am a one-hour worker, and I'm more blessed than I deserve. Okay, now turn to the person next to you and repeat after me. I am a one-hour worker, and I'm more blessed than I deserve. Folks, that's the key that's the key to a life bursting with joy. If you'll just remember every day, I'm a one-hour worker. I'm a one-hour worker. Um, somebody asks you at the office, what do you do, for, what do you, what do you do for a living? Or they meet you on the street or in church. What do you do for a living? Just say to them, well, I'm a one-hour worker. 
And they'll say, what? And you can share your story with them. You know? I'm just a one-hour worker. One guy in our church, our church, we wear name tags, and he writes his name, and underneath it, every week he writes, a one-hour worker. Because he knows who he is. That's who he is. That's who I am. That's who you are. If you understand the gospel, that in Jesus Christ we've been forgiven far more than we could ever deserve, then you understand that you are a one-hour worker. Let's thank him for that right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the amazing generosity you've had towards us. You know, our sins were like scarlet, yet you've washed us white as snow. There's no way we deserve forgiveness or the blessings you've given us on, on this planet or even the hope of heaven. You have... You have dealt bountifully with us. You have poured out your lavishly your love and grace on us. Lord, we are so undeserving. We are one-hour workers. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In the quiet stillness of your heart, would you just say to God, just quietly, not out loud, just silently in your heart, just say, God, forgive me for grumbling. Forgive me for complaining and comparing myself to others. Forgive me for the false expectations and change me, God. From this day forward, I want to be a one-hour worker. I, I want to know who I am and never forget that. And I want a life bursting with joy. And God, you've given me so much, there's no excuse for anything less. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us and sacrificing for us like you did. We pray this in your name. Amen.